You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 122. Today, I'm talking to my special guests all about the art of self-care. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 800,000 downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, everybody? James Wedmore here, your host of the Mind Your Business Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. How the heck are you? Thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you for your reviews, your subscribes, your shares. I see as much of those as I can when you're tagging me on Instagram, tagging me on Facebook. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. We are here at the tail end of my launch for my signature marketing program, Business by Design, last few days before we wrap up the doors. And I'm just doing some recording, which is really nice. Kind of taking a break from the launch to talk to you guys. And man, the weather's still... It's still summer out here in Lacuna. So I'm going to go out to the beach after this. You know, I share that because today's episode is about doing less and self-care. This is something that's been a huge reoccurring topic. It's probably not something that people are very excited about. Oh, yes, I want to I want this, right? They're saying, "Well, I'll take care of myself once I build that six-figure business." And of course, they have it backwards. Not you, of course. I'm preaching to the choir here. But this is the stuff that comes first. It's not self-care because you know, it's nice to pamper yourself. Although that is nice, a good massage, you know, Manipetti, all that good stuff. But that, you know, we had episode 114 of the podcast. Jim Fortin was on. He said over and over again, he says, you are where your attention is. So you are where your attention is. Where are you when your attention is on fixing that landing page, connecting it to your email so that it will integrate properly and get the opt-in? Right? Your head's down, nose to the grindstone, ready to punch your computer because the technology isn't playing well with you. Where, let's just be honest for a second. Where is your attention when you're doing that? Where is your attention when you go for a walk? Where is your attention when you're with your family doing game night? Where's your attention when you get that massage? You know, we talk about this in the episode, but my best ideas, those sparks of inspiration, intuition, creativity, they don't come when I've been working 10-hour days trying to set up my landing page. They come when I walk away from that. Yeah, that's great, James, but I got to figure this thing out. What if that were the way to figure things out? What if letting go for a little bit, going for a walk, knowing that it's all going to be okay, 
there's nothing to worry about. That worrying itself doesn't do anything. Have you ever noticed that? You can't worry your way to the solution. So you might as well drop it. It's not like it feels good to worry. So that's what we're going to talk about here today with my special guest. Now, I'll mention in the episode when we get into the interview that her name is Elena Lipson, and she actually is a member of our community over Business by Design. And she actually did a really cool presentation at one of my live events where she took people through a guided meditation. So we have something very special here for you today. So we're going to do an episode. We're going to talk about, you know, mindfulness and self-care and doing less, you know, being detached from the doing a bit. That's what we're talking about here. Loving yourself. You know, you've heard me talking about falling in love with yourself. Love yourself first. Can't hate yourself enough to help others, right? You can't give them love that you don't already have for yourself. But then what else we're going to do is a little meditation. She's got a meditation for you, and we've actually made it a separate episode. So you can come back again and again and again. And you can listen to this little 10-minute meditation, guided meditation that Elena walks you through. How cool is that? Anytime you want. You want to start your day. You want to end your day. You want to go for a walk on you know, the neighborhood, the beach, the park, wherever you are. You can listen to this little meditation. So it's in this episode and it's going to be in a separate episode. So we're really excited for that. A lot of wonderful stuff in this episode. Elena's just so amazing. So let's get into her bio really quickly. Here she is. Elena Lipson is the divine self-care mentor, speaker, transformational coach and retreat leader. She's the creator of the Divine Self-Care Circle, a year-long journey for women who are ready to say yes to igniting their divine feminine and dropping the hustle in exchange for creating a life they love with ease and grace. Now, for my fellas out there, just because Elena focuses primarily on women doesn't mean this isn't relevant to you. In fact, a lot of what I'm all about is integrating both a masculine and feminine a yin and yang approach to business and to life. The action, asking, and the receiving side. How can we have both? So, I think you're going to love today's conversation. It's a good one. Without further ado, let's play that interview. All right. Hello, everybody. I am here with my good friend, Elena Lipson. Elena, how you doing? I'm so good. I'm so excited to talk with you. I just love your work and, of course, a fan of your podcast. So a little surreal to be talking with you because <laughs> you're, you're always in my ear anyway. So this um, is great. I love I'm, it. I'm actually honored. You know, I feel like this is an episode that's a long time coming. We talked about a year ago about doing this. It was at the BBD Live Workshop, if you recall. Mm-hmm. You actually gave on day two a guided meditation, a guided visualization to all the members on the second day. And it was amazing. I actually remember I had stuff like ideas coming in and, and new stuff that I then shared and started teaching at the event. It was so good. And so for all of our listeners, we do have a special treat at the end of this episode. Elena has been so generous and gracious to take us through a guided meditation. And I'm going to be honest, this is something I've been wanting to do so badly on this podcast because in all the different routes and avenues I go down from things like NLP to just spiritual practices and meditation, there's all kinds of 
meditations that I've found or routines that I found that combined, you know, visualizations, mental imagery, affirmations, and, you know, just quieting the mind. And I want to make sure you guys have access to that. So Elena, this is something she does. She does extremely well. I mean, just how you commanded the audience and they were just so attentive. We have, we have B-roll footage of it too. Like I've, I've, oh. I still see people like they were just, they loved it. You were so good. And to just bring you to my audience and our listeners here is fantastic. So I'm excited. Are you excited? I am so excited. And I have to just say that particular day and having the opportunity, because I think the night before, it's like, well, you should totally do a guided meditation and you've totally got this and you totally turned it around. You're like, why don't you do one? (laughs) So, you know, I totally believe in jumping on those kind of opportunities. And I've been creating guided meditations for my membership, my inner circle for the last several years and doing it in public with people I didn't know is definitely edgy. And it was amazing. And then your several of your inner circle members came up afterwards. They're like, you know, you need to do a podcast, right? (laughs) Like, I know, I know. And so really, I would say that particular day, that moment was the seed of me starting my meditations and musings podcast, which finally is alive and it's birth. And I think it was really born out of that moment, that opportunity. So I really heard the feedback. And I think doing things like that, that you create the opportunity for was what started me in planting that seed and then taking the action and now doing it. And so I thank you for creating that space for me to show up and then getting that feedback. Mm. So yes, so, so excited to really claim the meditation piece for myself. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great. So you have a podcast. I do. I do. (laughs) Tell Tell us a little bit about it and we'll make sure to link it up in the show notes as well. Awesome. So it's called meditations and musings redefine the hustle and tap into grace. Mm -hmm. And it's where I teach my key messages that you are your number one asset. You don't have to do it alone. And I like to dive deep into how to do that. Like I call it the lone entrepreneur syndrome. You know, that was one of my latest podcast episodes where I talked about this feeling of doing it alone and why we don't have to and how to take steps specifically in your local physical life to get through that. And then I alternate with meditations that I create based on some of it is kind of intuitive to what I feel like I'm going through, which usually then gets reflected into the people that I'm working with. I do work with women on an ongoing basis. So I have lots of conversations and group calls. So I sort of take from that and I get a lot of inspiration, mostly in the car, in the shower. So I've got this Uh running list of topics that I work on, but the, the podcast itself is really meant to be a living, breathing meditation. Meaning I say in my intro, you don't have to be on the pillow. There's lots of ways to meditate because that's probably the number one thing is people don't feel like they can, they don't know how. I mean, I know you've explored this topic in different ways as well. So I just want people to feel like they can just get out in nature, put their feet on the ground, take a deep breath and understand the benefits of really connecting with Mm -hmm. yourself in that way. And to really create that connection on a regular basis can be so transformative. So I take all of that and I put it into the podcast. And you recently said, James, on your podcast that like 2% of people make it to the 100th episode. And I took that as a personal challenge. Ah, I'm in it. Like I'm in it for the long term, just like my business, you know, really for the long term, which really bringing it back full circle is how I even began teaching self care is because in order to sustain yourself and your life and your business over the long term without the burnout is you really need to figure out those daily systems and processes, just the way you apply them to your business 
to apply them to your body, to your life, to your wellness, to your relationships. And that, honestly, I can talk about this like all day long. So and, that's how and, I know I'm doing the right thing. And, and we're going to, at least for the next hour, because it, 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 there's so much you said here and so much I'm going to start to unpack for our listeners. But really part of the backstory here that's, that's important and really relevant for everybody is everything Elena is talking about. It's funny. I, we talked a year about getting her on the podcast and it's taken a year, but you know, she was so great. It's like, Hey, it trust the timing. It, it all works out when it works out. But a few weeks ago I was in Hawaii and we posted an episode a few episodes back. We'll link that as well called the most important thing that every entrepreneur should be doing. And my wife and I, who our favorite thing in the world is workcations. We actually had our copywriter recently interview us for like writing great copy. You know, you got a great copywriter when they sit down and they ask, they just interview you. And that's the best way for them to get copy. And she asked me, she goes, what does, this is a great question. She goes, what does success look like? And without skipping a beat, I just said, room service. Because yep. <laughs> that's, that's what my wife and I love to do more than anything is a workcation where we've, we go into a new environment and they're still, we're still doing work, but then, you know, it's like, two, three hours. And then it's like, all right, what's our planned activity? Like rest, go to the beach, play activity, whatever. And we were inspired to do this episode on the road in Hawaii about self-care. Mm-hmm. And it has become in just a few weeks. First of all, the day it went out became the number one day of downloads I've ever had in two years on the podcast, almost two years became the number one most downloaded day I've ever had. And now it's in the top 10 most downloaded episodes. And it was starting this conversation. And so what you guys are going to discover is that this is what Elena really talks about and plays in this arena. So we're going to take the conversation a lot deeper today because I think it's so relevant. It's so important. I, I do feel like we're going to war in some aspects against the hustle your face off mentality that, you know, it's, it's so prevalent. I think people are much more open today than maybe a few years ago to it. But it's, we have a pretty good argument for why working less and taking care of yourself is so important. And we're going to talk about that today. So this, this is a very important conversation. Elena, let's start first by just tell us a little bit about you, who you are, your backstory, and how you came to be teaching and speaking about the things you're, you're speaking about. Yeah. So first of all, I'm going to be a business by design podcast nerd because what your, what your copywriter asked you, I remember exactly where I was on my walk in the morning and she said, what does success taste like? And I literally stopped in my tracks. I'm like, Oh my God, that's such a good question. Mm -hmm. And you said, you know, room service and you went to talk about it. I thought that was a phenomenal question. I actually wrote it down in my journal and spent some time in it. So whoever you're, I know who you, I think I know who your copywriter is, but amazing question. So thank you for that. I really appreciated that little bump in my own journaling that day. Mm. So the way I came to teach self-care is I think like most of us do, it's what we do, it's what we live. And if we're lucky, we get to turn what we're passionate about into our work. And it's a tricky thing to do because sometimes the thing that you do naturally and easily and all the time doesn't feel like it's a business, but you know, it really does become the way to get into flow and that that magical space where you're like, I can really talk about this all day long. And I do. I've been talking about self-care for the last four years specifically, but in some ways I have been that person in your life where you come to for advice, who's going to tell you like how to take care of yourself and speak your voice and trust your intuition. And of course that all came from my background. So I came to the U S when I was about five or six years old, we came from Russia and my family really just was in that immigrant sort of life where my both parents were working. 
sometimes more than one job each and like taxi driver. And, you know, my mom was getting learning English. And so I was sort of a latchkey kid who was a little bit on my own, which created a lot of independence in me, which I loved. But what I saw, what I witnessed growing up was this real, you got to work, you got to grind, you got to survive mentality. And of course, I didn't know what I was going through then. But as I started my own my journey of like self care and transformational and coaching as I got into my 20s and 30s, I can look back and see how a lot of my habits and thinking and work all the time mentality was born from being in this family where we just all did it. Like I worked full time, I went to college, I just always wanted to double major, like the more the better. And so that was how I grew up. And so I just never even questioned that I would go into the business world and get a degree and work a lot, make a lot of money and do that whole thing. So in my 20s, essentially, I graduated high school early because, you know, why not take more classes? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I started college and I did an organizational psych major because I was always very fascinated with why people did what they did walking into a store, why the colors were what they were in the aesthetic environment. So I chose to study that, which I did. It was phenomenal. And I thought I was going to become an organizational psychologist working for organizations where you basically travel and do all these statistics and analysis, but I hated it. I just did not like that piece of it. So I ended up navigating my way into the corporate world anyway, but I did it through like HR and I was a corporate trainer for one of the biggest insurance companies. And I loved it. Really, really loved it. I got to use a lot of the skill sets that I naturally had, which was creating curriculum, designing presentations, actually teaching content, traveling, opening locations in other areas, working with an amazing team of trainers. I love the collaboration. I was blessed with amazing bosses. And so I really loved the work that I did. So I wasn't one of these corporate escape people. So about halfway through being a corporate trainer, our management team brought in a coach for us to do a communications training. And it sort of piqued my interest. I'm like, what are they doing? Like these two women seem to have their own company. They were teaching curriculum they created. They were authors. Afterwards, I went up to one of the women and I just basically grilled her like, what are you doing? You know, what's your company about? What is this? I never, I felt like I was entrepreneurial, but I never really thought about starting my own thing until that moment. (laughs) So I actually got the owner of the business to hire her within the organization, because she was teaching us some Myers-Briggs and how to apply that and how I train people. But then I also hired her for myself personally outside of the business because I couldn't in all integrity be at work and have her coach me into leaving. Right? <laughs> it didn't feel right. So I hired her to do assessments with me and to coach me. And she literally coached me for several years up until I got pregnant and was about to give birth. So during those two years that she was coaching me, I basically got my coach certification, my coach, you life and business coaching. And I started working even more meaning. So I was working during the day at my normal job and then I would go home and I would take the, cause you have to build up coaching hours. You have to get all these, you know, basically check your dots, you know, coaching calls and attend the international coaching federation, which is just in orange County. Cause I used to live in orange County. And so I was doing this. So I, I was essentially working full time and starting a business, which was fine in a way, meaning I didn't have a kid yet. And somewhere along the way, I met my now husband husband. But it just, it felt like I was, you know, working a lot, but it was sort of okay. But what was happening to me every, probably about every quarter was I would get this flu that I didn't know what it was, Mm -hmm. but I would essentially have to be down and out for about three to four days. 
And that just kind of became my normal flow, <laughs> which, you know, looking back, I know, I know what it was. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But I think a lot of people get used to that sort of physical effort, emotional effort, and then you're down for the count, yep. get up again, physical effort, you know, do, do, do. And then you're down for the count, which would be like the yearly vacation or getting sick or whatever it might be. So I was on that rhythm for several years. And then in my mind, I knew that when I became a mom, I wanted to not have to work for a corporation. And really it was this sort of rebellion of, I don't want to have to ask anyone for time off. I don't want to have to, you know, call in sick or if my son has a thing, or I just didn't want to have to ask anyone for time off. That was my big thing. Like I wanted the freedom of, doing my own thing of really creating my own schedule. And now I had seen that it was possible through this particular coach who was coaching me. I could see what she was doing. She was writing, she was speaking, she was, you know, doing all these things that I thought, okay, I can do this. And so I had my little vision. And when my son was born, I ended up leaving the company. I left on amazing terms. I loved my whole team. And we ended up moving to Washington state from California. Hmm. So I had a child I started my own business officially and I moved to a new state, which was like the triple storm of stress. And in that next year or two, I essentially went through like this physical breakdown. So it's all these years of buildup of hustle, 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 create, create, create. And now I was trying to do it all with the, what I call now, like the zombie version of tired, you know, the mom in the first yeah. year or two where you just aren't sleeping, you aren't doing anything to so the self-care sort of definitely wanes a little bit, which I wasn't teaching it yet. So during those two years, my body started essentially experiencing massive like pain and exhaustion. And, and I was trying to raise this child and start a business. And at about when my son was about two years old, this is sort of the pinnacle of how self-care became the thing that really pulled me out of this time of really, really incredible burnout is what I was experiencing. It's like when the train stops, you finally get to feel what you haven't allowed yourself to feel all this time. Oh, totally. And so I would find myself, you know, like sobbing in my bedroom for no reason whatsoever or in my car just like sobbing. And I couldn't quite understand why I was in my you know, early thirties. And I felt like I was falling apart. So one synchronistic day I was sobbing in my car, <laughs> my sister called and she said, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? Is everyone okay? And like, everything's fine, but not, I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. I was putting so much energy into my work. I was putting so much energy into raising this new child and being in a new place where I had no support because we moved to a new place that it really hit the wall or I hit the wall. And she said, remember when you were doing yoga, you really liked that. Like when I was younger, why don't you go do a yoga class or go do some movement, which was really a brilliant suggestion that I wasn't even thinking about because I was not in solution mode. I was in like self-pity dark mode. And so I ended up the next day finding a class. And in that one day when I was, you know, doing my yoga on the mat and we got into the meditation, I felt this connection with my body and this real release of the emotions that I had been carrying. And so I started this journey without really knowing what it was. And it was interesting because I had to leave my son, who was still pretty young, to go to class. And that was sort of my first step in like, wow. And then noticing when I came back from yoga, I was actually a better mom. Mm. So I started piecing together like, okay, so when I go to yoga and I feel good, we all get that part. When I come back, I'm a little more patient. I'm a little more 
happy. I'm a little less grumpy. I can be in the moment without feeling like I need to just escape my own self. And so I ended up taking a six month teacher training, yoga teacher training, and it was psychology of yoga. And we spent a lot of time on self-care, on all levels of self-care, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical. And at the end of those six months, I thought, oh, I feel like I'm transformed. Like I can be more open. I can handle and channel stress. I started my morning practice. I was able to feel whatever emotions I was feeling and actually process them. And I thought, okay, so I asked myself the next question. How can I then apply this to my work? How do I take this into what I believe is now all women need to hear? Because I'm just that person. Like when I learn something, when I, I want to share it like from the rooftops. And it really became the question of how am I going to take this? And how do I contain it? How do I structure it? How do I figure out what, you know, how do I coach other women to do this? Because I can see them all around me. I can see them in a yoga class. <laughs> I can see the other moms that I talk to that are at the brink of either divorce or depression. And how do I do this? Like, how do I know what I know and make it into my work? And it was a really interesting moment because when I started my coaching practice the first time back in when I was in California, it was not so much the online world. Like I had built my own website and using HTML, but I knew that I didn't want to rebuild it just by filling my day with phone calls. So mm -hmm. I just knew there was something different. And at that exact time, I came across B-School and online marketing, and I didn't even know what a landing page was. And it's like a whole world opened up for me. And I jumped in like yeah. full force. And she was saying exactly what I was feeling, like take your expertise, share what you know, help other people do it your way. You know, the laptop lifestyles, I really just jumped in. And I figured out a way to teach what I was learning and what was making me better. And what I had realized through that time was I was, I had an autoimmune issue that was undiscovered up until that point because autoimmune disease happens for a lot of people when they're under severe stress. Mm. And I was under severe stress, even though it was happy stress, I was working on what I love to do. I wasn't giving myself the breaks and the rest and the deep nourishment and the sleep and the hydration, all the things that are essential to longevity. So I had essentially made myself exhausted and burned out. So I knew that when I was going to create this thing, it was going to take in all those elements. So it's taken me, you know, it's taken a while to refine the systems and the processes that I teach within my work now, but I know they work. I'm convinced that everyone needs to have some self-care in their life. It's like, you know, though, I know this example gets used in other ways, but you know, that vision of the jar and the big rocks and the little rocks in the sand. Well, if your vision and if your dreams and if the life that you want to live are the big rocks, then what's supporting all of that is the self-care. It's the daily rhythms. It's the rituals. It's the, like, you, you know, you, I heard you talk about that in your self-care episode. It's really those things that nourish you on all these different levels. That's the only way those big rocks can that, be supported. That's so funny. I just heard that analogy about the jar and the rocks just yesterday oh. for the first time. <laughs> so oh. just to fill people in that it's, it's basically like a professor or someone or someone takes a big glass jar and they put in big rocks and they say, is the jar filled? And they, and all the kids in the class say, yes, it's filled. And then he puts small pebbles in there and it can fill in the spaces is it filled now? And I say, yes. And then they put in sand and the sand fills in those spaces. And I said, is it filled now? Yes, it's totally filled. And then he puts in water. And yeah, that's actually, that's somewhat how a 
customer described business by design is like, mm-hmm. you got to start with those foundational pieces. There's so much I want to say here in your, in your story. Let me, let me jump into a few things. First of all, I feel like the story you just described your journey is for someone who has like started a business today. Let's say they just said like this morning, right before this podcast, I want to start a business. I think you just described their default future. Mm-hmm. If, and this is why we're talking about this. I think ultimately everyone who's committed to creating a business and building a thriving business and being an entrepreneur, this is the, it's inevitable that you'll figure this stuff out, that self-care is important. Unfortunately, most people are just figuring out the hard way after they go into burnout and breakdown. And what I want to say is, guys, you don't have to be crying in your car in order to figure out that this stuff <laughs> is important myself as well has had those breakdowns where you had no choice but to take time off. You know, I've had physical pain from like my back going out and stuff like that. So is that what getting the flu was for you? Was that your body telling you, look, if you're not going to rest, I'm going to make you rest? Yes. So essentially at first, you know, your body's so smart. (laughs) Like you are the container for your vision, your body, right? So the energy that you can hold is going to affect the size of your vision that you're creating. Mm -hmm. So during those years, my body was like, Elena, seriously, stop pushing through. And I guarantee all the entrepreneurs listening right now know that moment of pushing through when your body's like, all right, it's time to go play. It's time to go surf. It's time to go running. It's time to just go and lay down for a few minutes. And we're like, no, one more thing, one more thing, (laughs) one more email. It's that pushing through that I was so good at. And it was almost like, I was like, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to be, you know, I can do this. I can do more. I can do more. So yeah, it was my body essentially telling me like, you need to stop. You need to take a break. You need to sleep in. You need to sometimes even not go to yoga. Like You need to rest. What it ended up being was Epstein-Barr, which is essentially your body feeling like you have the flu, your glands get swollen. So when you, once you get it, autoimmune stuff, you get it for life. You can just manage it. And now I haven't had a flare up in years. It actually has been a gift because if, and when I do get to that place, like if I'm traveling a lot or speaking a lot or teaching a retreat for several days and I haven't been doing the things that I know I need to do, which still happens, even though I'm the divine self-care mentor, I still, you know, get into those moments and have to be reminded my body will start feeling like, I'm like, do I have a fever? (laughs) Like what's going on? And I can't quite shake the exhaustion. What's going on. And that only lasts now for like a day or two. Like it's, it's just like everything else, the fear, the self doubt, the exhaustion, they don't go away magically when you, you know, build the business and you're successful or whatever your version of success is, it's learning to manage those. And so that's why self care for me is really about learning to manage your energy, learning to manage your body. And when you do that, you have this instant navigation tool that your body is telling you like, okay, time to go get some water, time to go rest. There's super simple foundational elements that so many of us get wrapped up in the pressure of time and wrapped up in the pressure of money that we feel like, no, when I make the money, when I do this, then yes. I can go rest. Yes. That is really such backwards. a common. Yeah. And I see it on people's Instagram still. It's so sad. They're like, success doesn't sleep and neither do I. <laughs> oh my God. Really? Really? You don't sleep? You don't go to sleep at all? Is that, that's cool. <laughs> like I sleep in. Okay. So fantastic. So, so many questions here. So 
I think we can both, it's safe to assume we're both recovering workaholics. Is that an accurate statement for you? I I wouldn't have defined myself as a workaholic, but looking back, it was just, I took pride in it, right? You've heard like the busy badge thing. I really took pride in that. I took pride in having something going on all the time and reading the next book and doing the next thing and growing and involving and transforming and building my business. And now I understand. I really understand after coaching many, many, many women over the years, after coaching myself, that if I don't understand at a deep, deep level that I am the container for what I'm creating, then it's never going to work. It's never going to feel aligned. And the bigger your vision, the more self-care. It's like, I believe the Dalai Lama said this. If you're busy, meditate for an hour. If you're really busy, meditate for two hours. And that's exactly how I treat self-care. Like if I have something big coming up, if I'm about to speak on a big stage, I will do more magic morning routine, more movement, more meditation, more journaling. So I can really show up because that's what you're doing. Like when you press record, when you are meeting with a client, when I show up to this call, all you get is me and the energy that I bring. Mm. So I want it to be clear and grounded and present and intentional and not just a thing that I stuff in my day to check off. So yes. to me, I feel like I, I don't think I would call have called myself a workaholic, but if I was, then now I'm opposite. <laughs> like I, me first energy first, yeah. then what I bring to that thing that I'm creating, writing, recording is going to be totally different. And I respect your time and my time enough to get that at a deep level. Love that. Now, is it also safe to assume that where you, this was learned behavior that you observed this because you talked about your parents a lot. Is, you, is that just how you, you learned to be that way? Cause that's how they were. Absolutely. In fact, I, I, I could see it so clearly in my mind. Like I would come home. I was the latchkey kid. My sister was much older, so she was off doing her thing and I would do my homework and make dinner or whatever I needed to do. And then she would come home still dressed in her work clothes. And then she would make dinner for my dad and for herself. And I remember looking at her like, why isn't she just going to change or why isn't she just, you know, it just became normal for her. And she worked a lot and she, you know, commuted an hour each way to the city. We lived in New York back then. And so I definitely think it was learned, not just from my mom and my dad who drove a taxi and had a business and, Mm. you know, for many years until he died of a stroke actually at 53. Mm. So, I mean, talk about not taking care of yourself for so long that your body is just, you know, there's many reasons for strokes, but he had a lot of elevated issues. So for me, it's a really important element to listen to and trust my body and take really, really good care of my health because of obviously what happened to my dad. But I think even, you know, it's interesting because I've heard you talk about James a lot about intentionally living in Laguna Beach and how amazing and healing it is. And I totally get that. It's one of my most favorite places on earth. Right. Um, I love it here. (laughs) I just, someday I'll be back there for sure. Yeah. Where I live right now is super healing and grounding for my family in terms of having a young child. I live in the forest and they just play Mm. outside all day and hunt for frogs and play in the mud. So it's perfect. But I grew up in New York city. So could you imagine like the energy, like so who gets self care? You just are going all the time and then you go out after work and then you maybe sleep a little bit and then you do the whole thing all over again. So I think a lot of it was really the environment that I grew up in as well versus growing up where I live now. I could see a much more laid back kind of chilled energy, yeah. even where you are, you know, you just get to sort of, I'm going to go to the beach, well, <laughs> you that- know, and hopefully you have the freedom to do that. So, yeah, I think it was a combination of elements, just like it is for everyone. But now I get to choose, right? I'm old enough where I can get to choose. 
So that is something that I'm grateful for. So that's something I learned after a year living in New York is how much your environment really affects your energy. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do the work workations because you get to, you know, dip your toe into a different vibe, a different energy and a different pace. And I like switching that up. Laguna is going to be a much more laid back than New York and Hawaii is going to be much more laid back than Laguna. <laughs> I don't know if it's a East going West thing, but I've always found that fascinating. Okay. So I want to go back to this for a second because I am fascinated about this. Like I'm always observing this in myself and in others. It's a big topic that I've talked about before, like this learned behavior, this, these beliefs, these patterns that we develop from our parents at a young age. And it's no fault to your parents. Like they did what they had to do, but it sounds like through their actions, you were a sponge and you just observed daily. You learned from them something of the effect of like, you got to work hard to succeed. Is that something that you, along those lines that you picked up? It should have been tattooed on my arm, (laughs) like work hard, succeed, you know, work long hours. Absolutely. It's definitely something I picked up on. And, and, you know, just to, to even take that example a bit further and to the belief systems that we have when we're younger. I really acknowledged that when I was building the self-care processes that I teach and why it's so important. Like my big why is because I don't blame my parents for anything. Like I believe that everything that happens to you is for you. It is there to teach you if you choose to take the opportunity to glean the wisdom from it. And so I took that and I said, how is this informing who I am now? And so now as a mom, and I've been doing this particular self-care journey for the last 12 years. I really, that was like from the point of sobbing in my car, you know, to really learning to take care of myself. And a lot of what I did was fueled by not wanting my son to learn those habits from me as well and being very mindful of what I'm teaching him. And so I started my morning practice when he was little crawling around me and I would have a little basket of toys for him because I knew that if I started my day with that, the whole day would be much different. You went exactly where I was leading you already, (laughs) which I wanted to know if you learned from your parents that you got to work hard to succeed what is the lesson in the realm of success that you want to pass on to your son? Yeah, it's everything that I teach. You know, he and I, he's, he's going to be 12 pretty soon. So we talk a lot and openly right now. And in fact, the best example that I can give, and I talk about this with, you know, the women that I work with quite a bit is, look, the thing that you're so passionate about is you can lecture those around you all day long. But the real thing that they're watching is you. <laughs> like they're watching what you're doing, just like I was watching my mom, like no one ever said to me, you have to work 20 hours a day to succeed. It's just what I saw. And so now I was doing my morning routine for, you know, at least several years before my son sort of became conscious of it. When he was about six years old, I did my morning routine. I did everything I needed to do. I danced in the bedroom. I meditated. I wrote in my journal and I went to wake him up and he looked at me and he said, mom, why are you so happy? Mm. (laughs) Like, my great question. I said, well, I've already done my dancing and my yoga and I've done my meditation and I've done my journaling. So when I get to you, I'm really happy. I'm ready to go for the day. And so he said, I want to take a bath in the morning. Oh, he said, I want to do some self-care too. He said that I want to do some self-care too. And I was very careful to not tell him what to do. I just said, okay, well, what would it look like for you in the morning? And he said, wake me up a half an hour early so I could take a bath in the morning. I was like, great. And he literally did that for, he's 11 now. He just stopped recently. Actually, he still does it during the school year. It's summer now. So for the last three and a half years, he's been waking up early, 
and doing it. And just recently, I go for my walk, like it's summertime, so part of my morning practice is doing a two and a half to three mile walk in the forest. And about a week and a half ago, he said, can I join you? And my first response was like, oh, this is my time. <laughs> but then I thought, oh my gosh, here's this 11-year-old boy asking to be woken up early yeah. to go for a forest walk with his mom. Like, hell yes. <laughs> and so we have some of the best conversations. We just laugh and we, you know, we get exercise together. And just, I mean, if that doesn't show you that you living your life in a way that supports you, you're going to be affecting. My husband started going to the gym for the last couple of years. Yes. Like, he's like, I'm going to do myself here too. And so I couldn't have told him to do that. I couldn't have lectured anyone into doing anything. I just embody it. They see the effect that it has on me and how I show up as a mom who's not grumpy and stressed out, which he has actually said to me, my son, he's like, you're happy. Are you grumpy? Do you need to go? Like, you know, he kind of is in the joke of it now. But so I'm embodying something for him that hopefully when he grows up, if he chooses to get married and have children, will be the lineage, like the legacy yeah. of our time together in this these few years that he will pass on. That's so, so awesome. And, you know, there's that cliche like phrase like you know actions speak louder than words but i also feel that actions influence more than words and you could go around all day saying you got to do your self-care like do this do that and you know clean your room and and meditate but it's through (laughs) your way of being and how you show up and the results that you have in your life that you really have the greatest impact and i hope that for our listeners that's just another way to motivate you to take this on is that the people around you are observing you. And if you have little ones, they're learning how to be humans based on the way that you're being a human. And, you know, I think we, none of us would want our kids to be workaholics that don't treasure the, you know, delicious, beautiful moments of life because we're always, you know, chained to our desk. And so I think we get to be a, a model for that every minute of every day. So that's a, that's huge. Um, It is huge. And I'll take it one more step full circle, which is so just, it makes my heart just so happy. When my mom, my mom still lives in New York. And when she comes to visit me here at my house, she calls it the spa because she Mm -hmm. just says she, you know, she's really noticed how I mother and how I keep my pace and my home. And she comes here and she's able to plug into that with me. We're going for walks together and we're cooking meals together and she just slows down in a way that feels so good. And so she's really acknowledged that, you know, I've changed things in my life and for myself, not from bad to good. It's just an evolution. That's what parents want for their children, right? To just evolve and get better and grow and do what they really want to do and make them happy. So it's really nice when my mom comes here because she literally plugs into my sort of self-care environment. She calls it the spa. So it's really fun. So you also mentioned some things a few minutes ago that I want to circle back to, but something I've been really fascinated with. Wow. I've mentioned it on the podcast before this concept of be, do, have. I've had NLP practitioners come on and talk about if we want to change our results, we have to change at the identity level, our beingness, our way of being. And, you know, what Elena is coming on here and doing is asking you to change your actions and behaviors. And however, as I've listened to Elena's story And I think our listeners are probably picking up on this as well, that the actions changed when Elena changed her identity or her her way of being. Whereas perhaps in the old olden days, the Elena 1.0 was I am a hard worker or I'm a hustler or, or something to that effect. 
But she actually said something, and I want you to speak to it. You said, I am I'm the container. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a very different way of being. Can you speak more to what that means and how you see that for yourself? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest compliments that I used to get at work, and I was the person you wanted to hire no matter what position, because I would figure it out and I would do it and I would do it really, really well. And so the thing that I got complimented on the most in my past version 1.0, as you refer to it, was how resilient I am, which to me says that I just kept coming back. I was like the energizer bunny. (laughs) I just kept whatever it was, whatever the job was. I just kept coming back. You need me to fly to Indianapolis to teach that one. Sure. I'll do that. Of course. Two weeks. Great. Let's go. Like there was no, there was no navigating based on anything other than I, of course I can do it now just to also, you know, when I was in my twenties and I think when you're in your twenties, it's a very different energy than your thirties. I'm in my 40s now and 50s is different. So I really want to acknowledge that. So those of your audience who are in their 20s and maybe have kids, maybe don't, maybe they're married, maybe they're not, there is a time to like put a different kind of energy into your life and your work. But I believe that you're going, you're also going to plant the seeds for what comes next. So I think it's really important to even hear this now to know that you can really change the trajectory of your longevity if you take into account the simple self-care practices that we're talking about today, like the way to really acknowledge that, like you said, you are the container. And what that means to me and, and what the, I guess, the missive that I gave to myself when I started teaching this was that I need to embody what I'm teaching, which is probably good advice for anything that you're teaching, but I took that very seriously. And what I felt was can you hold the energy of what you're teaching? Can you hold the energy of your work? So I work with a lot of women who are visionaries, leaders, speakers, writers, coaches, they're doing big things in the world. And they are when I meet them on their journey, the point that they're on is, they've got the technical stuff of their business down, but what they maybe they've gained a little weight, or they haven't had a really good orgasm or a belly laugh lately, or they haven't they just they've lost that spark that joy to their life. So when they're trying to create the next big thing, which we, you know, the women that I work with and the entrepreneurs that are in your world, of course, they want to create and create and create, but that takes energy. So what I see so clearly in my mind now is say, for example, the vision that you're creating is the size of, I don't know, like a city block. (laughs) It's like, just give it that big size and your body can only hold a container for just like a quarter of that block. And you're trying to create this big thing and your body's just like, doesn't know what to do with it. So in order to expand your ability to hold that big vision, you need to be able to carry it. And so it's, what a lot of people do is they push through anyway and they wonder why they start feeling like they're not passionate about it anymore. Like there's blocks and there's all kinds of stumbling blocks happening along the path. They can't quite get there or just something is not aligning. The synchronicity stopped happening. Like there's a lot of external cues that are going to tell you that you're off, whether it's getting sick, like it was for me or whether it's, you know, not getting the money side of it, right? Like no one's signing up for my stuff. Like something just starts getting 
misaligned or you're just exhausted all the time. There's lots of different external cues that I look for. But a lot of it is, you know, issues in your partnership. Things just aren't flowing. You're not excited every morning anymore. You just want to go hide. You just want to go on vacation. Like you just want to escape. And so to me, that tells me that you're trying to create something that you're not creating the space for in your life. And I love what you say, you know, and I said this on one of your lives recently, when you talk about I do less and I make more like as a mantra. And some people might think of that as like, like literally doing less. But when I hear it, it speaks to what I'm talking about right now, meaning when you can do less, meaning stop distracting yourself with all the different, you know, opportunities and things that you want to do in your business and you just focus on what you want to do and the rest of it is just taking care of yourself as a container that's when things start flowing for you that's when things start this synchronicity starts showing up if things seem to move much easier and to me that's about understanding that your first and main job is to take care of your body and to yes. take care of your energy so that you can hold the bigness of what you want to do. And it could be, you know, big is different for everyone. It could just be, depending on where you are in your journey, it could be starting a podcast. It could be holding a live event. It could be hosting a retreat or launching a course or whatever it might be. So that big depends on you. Well, this is just so huge. It's so important. And I've felt this way for a long time and I don't think I've ever really been able to put it in words. And I I feel like some people listening might not necessarily get fully what Elena is talking about here. But I think my entire journey and what the actual growth. So I have a lot of people that come to me. It's really cool. They're like, James, I've been following you for years. And the growth that I've seen from you is the funnest part. Like to see this like scrappy young kid into like what you've developed now. And they're always fascinated by that. They always observe the growth. And I've never really, I mean, it's this why it's inspired things like this podcast for me, but I've never really been able to communicate what I'm doing with that growth. And I think you just hit it right, the nail right on the head. So I don't want people to like dismiss what Elena is saying is kind of this like esoteric and tangible intellectual concept of like holding space, the size of container. Like, what are you talking about? I look back at when I launched my first product to the marketplace after years of failure, like there's like failure, 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 little success, failure, 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 stumble block, frustration, failure, win, failure. Then I launched this product. Uh, this is about 2011. And my entire life was that product or my business hours, like my container was that product. It was a hundred dollar product and that was it. And I look at what I have today and you know, at one level I'm, I have, you know, all these products now there's, we have over 15 different products. We have live products, webinars, automated products. I have a coaching group, like, you know, group coaching. And then there's a mastermind and then there's doing a YouTube channel and a podcast. And then you throw in the fact that I have a team of 12 people and we're doing retreats and I have to, you know, sometimes I have to fire somebody or I have to, you know, fix an office conflict, which actually doesn't happen in my company. I'm very grateful for that. No, no office drama. And I'm like that guy 10 years ago, that weight would have crushed him. Like I had to find a way to do exactly what Elena is saying here, which is stretched. And I can't put it into words. I'll be honest with you. I cannot put it into words, but I had to increase my container. Well, I've described it to friends in the past. And I say, this is the best way I've described it is that what happens if you plant a redwood tree in a pot? You're going to get something to grow, but very quickly, the growth of the tree is going to get stifled by the very container that's making it live. And we have to be able to grow the pot. We have to be able to, to get a bigger pot. And that's 
when I hear what you're saying, that's how I, you know, interpret everything is that over the years I've had to figure out a way to hold a bigger space or to become a container that can receive more. Yeah. And you know, it's really tricky because say you do want to host the mastermind, you do want to do your live events like you're doing, there is a tendency there to start feeling like I have so much going on. I just need to not do this self-care piece. I just need to like skip my morning practice. I need to go right into my call or, oh my gosh, so much money is on the line. And these people are counting on me. I can't go to Hawaii for two. What do you, I can't do that. But what I've seen you embody at the deepest level, which is I think why I resonate with your work so deeply. And I love that you talk about it, you know, from a male voice. I think we need a lot of men to start talking about this. And I have heard it, which is that you get at the core that your time in Hawaii, your time surfing is going to infuse the work that you're doing at a very deep level. And when you show up, you're not stressed out, you're not impatient, you're not, you know, you're just clear, you're present. And I think that's what people, they feel it, but they can't describe it until you say it. (laughs) So that's what, that's what's so important. Um, And, you know, to even use like, let's use some masculine left brain, tangible proof to you know, really encourage you to go. Okay, okay, James, Elena, I get it. I'm gonna take some self care. I'm gonna take some time off. Is that there's actually studies done? One study was in Jeff Sutherland's book Scrum: The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time, which says that after 36 hours of work in a week, you hit a peak and productivity goes down, mistakes go up, creativity, uh, like all that stuff. It just it gets affected and that's 36 hours. So the standard work week is 40. Now there's another study out there that argues for only 24 hours of work in a week. So when I talk about things like outsourcing and delegating and automating, I'm not doing that because that's cool or it's like four hour work week or anything like that. I'm doing that because you can't afford to be spending your energy on those things because it's taking away from the things that only you can do. And, you know, and if you're doing that stuff and the things that only you can do, there is no time left for the self-care piece that we're really talking about, which as Elena is alluding to, or has been really communicating to is what you need to hold the space for everything that you're creating. And you also said that the bigger the vision, the more self-care, right? Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting because when I work with every year, I do this dream calendar workshop where we look at the entire year and we start asking some of these questions like, when do I want to work? When do I want to play? People get so crazy and guilty and doubtful over like I say, okay, so what would a three day a week work week look like? And they're like, Oh, what am I (laughs) going to do the other two days? You know, so we just really get very, very clear. And the things that you teach, like make sure you outsource, make sure you have the support. If you're doing that really like how much energy and time and focus you have. And I, there's another study that talks about how your attention after about three to four hours, if you're learning a new instrument, if you're working, if you're writing anything, there is a decreased level of return on your investment of that time. So what I help people do is really start thinking about, okay, what is my sweet spot of energy? Like for me, trying to work at three or four in the afternoon, forget it. There's no way. Mm -hmm. I just want to be outside laying down, reading a book, drinking some wine, you know, whatever. My sweet spot is the morning. So I do my morning practice. I do my coffee ritual and I am 
at work, whether it's in a coffee shop writing or in my office doing a group coaching call, my energy is like, oh, but in about an hour, like two or three o'clock, more like three or four o'clock, if I try to work during that time, then it's very difficult. When I do my retreats, I make sure that I account for the cycle of the day. So I love to plan like a siesta during the afternoon so we can just go away and do our own thing and come back. Now, I do have clients who love to work in the evening hours, especially if like that's your creative time. That's fine. But if you have your sweet spot, you acknowledge that. So you're not just trying to work all day long because your return on investment of that time is rapidly decreasing. So I just... It's important to start noticing, like if you are someone who loves to wake up in the morning and get going, then that's when you should do your most important work during that time. And then around that time, I like to call, I'll use the word container again, create a self-care container around it to take some time to integrate what you just did and to rest and to kind of lean into the next thing. But going from one thing to the next, that's the pushing through feeling that I think, you know, why would I want to be an entrepreneur who's constantly exhausted? I want to love what I do. I want to, and I think I'm, I have an obligation to my clients and to the people who are, you know, watching to really embody that. So I'm like, for me, this is the best work in the world because I get to share. I'm going to, you know, I do my quarterly review for my financials in a spa. <laughs> like I like to do that. Or I'm going to my Friday morning, you know, planning date or, I'm, you know, so I, I like to share that because there is a way to do it that really meets the needs of your life as long as you are conscious of the, you know, I think sometimes the word self-care throws people off too, but it's just the one that we all know. But really it's about, like I said in the beginning, it's about managing your energy, trying to tap into, you know, how you're feeling. And, you know, you can't, I want to make sure that people aren't misunderstanding what I'm saying. Like you can't constantly shift your day and your priorities based on your feelings of the moment, because feelings aren't always telling you the truth, right? We have fear and self-doubt and things that come up. But if you have a structure, a container for your day, like a magic morning practice, the way I teach it, you're able to lift your energy. You're able to tap into and ignite your emotional and physical state so that you can do the best work possible. And that's all possible. (laughs) Like you don't have to wait until you're feeling excited to do the work. What gets you excited? Do that and then do the work. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing is that we just can't rely on willpower. I think we've, you know, there's studies done as well that there's so much willpower energy of willpower fatigue. And -hmm. if you're running your life based on like, let me just, you know, scream at myself in the mirror, do it until I actually get it done. Like that's not sustainable. And we're here to run a marathon, folks. It's not a sprint because it takes time. Like people have these pipe dream visions. Like I'm going to start a business today and in three months I'm going to quit my job. And that stuff happens. You know, I've, I've heard it, you know, but like you got to be in it to win it for the long haul. And that, that's just, is if you're just relying on willpower and 14 hour days, you can't do that for three years straight. That's so important. In a moment, I want to get into Elena's morning practice and then we're going to do this meditation. So I'm so excited. I know you guys have been waiting patiently for, but two things really quick. First is listening to the last little piece you said, I, one study that came up that is a study I've heard a few times and it's so fascinating and I don't, I, mean, I think it's correlated here. Let me know if you've heard this. I think this was a study done in the 60s or 70s where what they did is they took a bunch of basketball players and they split them up into three groups. They had them all shoot three throws and then um, they measured the results from the free throws and 
then what they did is they had all three groups do something for the next 30 days. Group number one didn't practice. They said, don't pra- no practice at all, right? Group number two practiced one hour a day for 30 days shooting free throws. Group number three just went to the gym and visualized shooting the free throws. And then they measured the results at the end. Group number one, the, the group that didn't have any practice, they didn't improve. In fact, some of the players actually declined with zero practice. Group two that actually practiced an hour a day, they had a 24% average increase in 30 days. Group number three that just visualized had a 23% increase. And that to me is so fascinating because what I want to be able to do with our listeners is to break the chain, break the link that we've created between physical action and effort and results. Like the more I work, the more money I'm going to make, right? And so you would think, oh, if I practice more, if I do more efforting, I'm going to get better results. But here's an example, physical proof of people not practicing at all, just using the power of their mind. And so a lot of times when I'm doing my self-care, when I'm on the surfboard or I'm getting that massage or going for that walk, my mind is still working. I'm visualizing the things that I'm excited about. I'm you know, we have a live event in November. It's going to be the biggest live event I've ever done. Visions of how I want that event to go, go through my mind constantly throughout the day. Not in worry, not, it's all intentional. It's like, okay, let's, let's think about what I'm going to look like up on stage and what the room's going to feel like and what's going to happen. And that's the work I'm doing. And so a lot of times when I, especially with my inner circle members, when I tell them to work less, a lot of guilt comes up. Yeah. And Elena, I'm sure a lot of your members and students, that's probably where a lot of resistance is. They feel guilty. They feel like something's off and something's, I should be working. Well, I, I feel guilty. Like I don't deserve this. It's, it feels more comfortable to be working. Even if the work is uncomfortable, there's more certainty in it. And the first piece I like to say is this time off or this self-care is the work. So what are your thoughts on if someone comes to you and they just feel guilty or they feel like not working is really hard for them? So two things. One is getting used to thinking about things. Like I know that a lot of entrepreneurs know the word return on investment. And so what is the return on investment of my self-care versus continuing to push through and hustle? It's something that you just have to become aware of. It's like anything when you're trying to change a behavior, when you're trying to change your diet or exercise, what am I currently doing as a base foundational sort of measurement and just noticing, okay, so I pushed through here. I could have kept going, but I noticed that I just, I, the work that I started making mistakes and I wasn't, I was distracted versus doing an experiment. Like I love being experimental with it where you, instead of pushing through, you took a, you know, a break, you went to go for a walk and you come back and see how that feels. That's the first part, like getting really clear on the return on investment of the idea of pushing through that moment. The guilt piece of taking time off or self-care, I think I heard this saying a long time ago, which is the guilt is like the flag that you're going in the right direction. And it was so true for me when I started taking time away from my home to go to yoga, to go to some sort of retreat or take time away from myself. I do a solo retreat a couple of times a year. The guilt came with me. It's always going to come. It's not something that you're going to avoid because as a human being, especially one who takes care of other people or other things, you're going to feel guilty. Like you're wasting your time. Like you're taking away from somebody else. Like you could be doing so much 
more. But what you have to start noticing is how you are when you return from that time off, when you return from that self-care. Like you talk a lot about, you know, being out there in the waves and surfing and getting inspired and getting ideas. Why not give yourself that on a regular basis? So I think the guilt is something that you might feel at the beginning, but once you make that deep, deep connection that when I give to myself in this way, I can then come back and be more inspired, more tuned in, more connected, and get things done in a way that feels very different. I mean, I want to enjoy my entrepreneurial journey. I want to enjoy my work. I don't want to start resenting it or showing up in a way that feels like I'm like, oh gosh, I have another group call. Oh my God. You know, right. I want to enjoy it. I want to really say like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast today. Let's dance a little. Let's like take a meditation break. And then I'm going to start doing it because if I get exhausted doing that thing that I want to do, I guarantee you over time, like you said, this is a marathon, <laughs> lifelong thing, not a sprint. Like, yes, it will evolve. Yes, it will change. I'm in five years from now. I'm sure what I'm doing is going to be different in many ways, but the main denominator, the common denominator is you, it's me. So how do you want to show up? Yeah. And do you want to show up in a way that feels like you are enthusiastic and inspired? And, you know, you used to teach video and you still teach a lot of it and, and how to do that. But I remember like when learning how to do video, hearing this, like how you show up and the energy. And, and I get that. And I think the thing that I hear most in terms of people who sign up for my programs and my membership and anything that I do, it's almost like there's an indefinable quality. They say, I just, whenever you show up, I feel so activated. I feel so enthusiastic. I feel like I just, whatever you're doing, I want to, I want to do that. Yep. <laughs> and to me, that's the biggest validation of like, okay, great. I'm showing up in a way that people are excited about and they want to join in on. And you have that quality too. I think that's something that really comes from understanding that how you show up is even more important than what you're saying. Well, and this is, yes. And this is where everyone is screwed because (laughs) I like to jar people awake at an hour into the episode. (laughs) This is where you're all screwed because what 99% of the people are doing, which is why I created this podcast is they're observing with their eyes, what others are doing and they just model what they can see on the surface. Like, Oh, she did a webinar okay, I'll do, oh, she wrote this on this page and she said this on this. And they're not observing, they don't actually see the piece that Elena just mentioned, which is who you are when you show up to anything and everything that you do. The, you know, we can say like the frequency that you're vibrating at, the state of being that you're in, the identity that you are. You know, if Elena says, I am the container for self-care for my students, she's going to show up differently than the person that's just like, oh, I got to do this call and I don't want to do it right now. Right. And so most people don't get that, that it's our state of being and, and how we show up that is actually the thing that is attracting people to us in the first place. So people are saying, well, what's the latest traffic strategy? What's this, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yes, you can use those. But if if you don't have this other stuff figured out, it's all going to fall flat. It's not going to work. I know people that have said, I did, I did these seven steps. It didn't work. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, like I, it makes sense. I see why it's not working. It's so important. It's so important. And, and that's another piece I go back to when I felt the guilt coming back in is like, who wants to follow the workaholic that every other area of his life is suffering? He looks like crap. He feels like crap. 
He's unhappy. Who wants to follow? Oh, but he's look how much he's doing. He's so busy. Like who wants to follow that guy? Exactly. Um, and people do like, it, look, look, there's a lot of people that love the hustle and work hard philosophy because there is a lot of safety in that. It's like, oh, I don't have to worry about anything else except pushing myself, you know? So that's really nice for a short term, but people aren't looking at the long-term strategy here. So yeah, because I mean, we're just yeah. animals, you know, we're like these physical animals. And if you don't take care of the vehicle that you're using to show up to your work, I mean, I watch people all the time, really without judgment, but just to notice it's like this, I'm just watching to learn, right? like what I want to do, what I don't want to do. And I think what I see so many people doing, like you just said, is they're it's like pushing, pushing, pushing through. So there are many ways of being an entrepreneur, of being a person in the world. And I'm not saying that everyone has to be at the slow meditative pace or state all the time time, right? If you watch someone like Tony Robbins, his energy is off the charts, off the hook, but I do hear him talking about the morning practice. (laughs) So that's really awesome, which I love hearing him talk about that. So what I'm, all I'm saying is that you get the choice of how you want to show up and just know that when you are planning your business, planning your strategies, that self-care is a strategy to tap into the best version of you in your life and in your business. It really makes a difference. So I know you have an awesome morning practice. Can you share a little bit about what that is? Yes. And I keep it really, really simple because even if you have three minutes, then you can do this. So, and I call it the magic morning practice because it feels like you're transforming your energy from sleepy and tired and lethargic to ready and enthusiastic and turned on. So it's three simple steps. It's body, mind, and spirit. And you can do them in any order that you want. The way that I normally do it is I start with writing. So I will, and that's the one I call mind. And I borrow this practice from The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, where you basically just start your day with writing down whatever needs to be cleared out, clearing out the cobwebs, whether it's gratitude or affirmations, or just writing what your dream was. It's a way to empty out. For me, I normally choose to do affirmations. And by the time I'm on my eighth or ninth one, like I am organized, I am successful, I am ready, I am lit up, I can literally feel the parts of my brain actually changing and lighting up and I can feel my mood elevating. So that's the first step. The second step is some sort of movement. And if you know anything about Ayurvedic practice and you don't need to know anything about it, just know that there is this little bit of fire that happens in your body when you're turned on and when you're actually activated and feeling like you're exercising, you get this little bit of heat in your chest and in your belly. And so If one minute works for you, that's great. Mine depends on the season. So during the summer, I do a long walk. During the winter, I tend to dance or do yoga in my room. And so if you just do one minute of either a yoga stretch or dancing, and I would say once you start one minute, it's going to feel so good that you're going to want to do more. So I definitely think this is one of the important ones that you give yourself permission to do a little bit longer, even if you have to wake up a few minutes earlier. And I love sleep too. I totally get it, but it's worth it to feel like you're showing up in a way in your day that feels enthusiastic and like you're actually like a light, like you're turned on. And then the last part is some sort of spiritual connection. And this really varies depending on you. Like for me, I love to sit and I've actually developed a deep like meditation practice over the last several months. I've meditated in some way over the years, whether it's just laying flat on the ground in like a yoga pose or whether it's sitting on a meditation pillow or whether it's pulling a tarot card or whether it's just putting a hand on your heart and just giving gratitude, something that connects you to something bigger than the very moment 
moment because our emotions flow. You know, our days, our mood, our attitude, they're affected by so many things that if you learn to like really ignite yourself and show up the way you want to, and I always say the way you start your day is the way you show up in the world to those that you love, to your clients, to yourself. So it makes you more open, more empathetic. You can handle stress better because you've started your day in a way that helps you connect. And not only that, you also have the benefit of actually having a little space of silence where you can hear your intuition. You can hear your own voice. You can begin to make decisions with confidence, say yes to things you want to and no to things. So there's a lot of benefits to starting your day in this way. But again, simple, 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 three-step practice, something that activates your body, something that lets you tap into that part of your mind and clear the cobwebs, whether it's simple affirmations or writing down. Sometimes I'm so sleepy in the morning that I just write, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mm -hmm. thank you. I'm so grateful. Like really just some days it is that, you know, and some days it's a whole story and then some spiritual connection, even if it's just as simple. And I've had clients do this, like where they just look out the window, look at the sky and just say, thank you for another amazing day. I'm grateful for my heartbeat. I'm grateful for my legs. I'm grateful for, you know, something that connects you so that you're not just free floating through space. So those are the three simple ways. I love it. And you can do that in just a few minutes. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So this is really cool. Now I know our listeners are eagerly anticipating this guided meditation. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch upon or drive home before we do that? Yeah, I think more than anything that you claiming that you are the number one asset and in order to enhance and grow and have good ROI return on investment on this beautiful asset in life, business and the bedroom, which we haven't even gotten. That's a whole other conversation, how your bedroom (laughs) is connected to your business, Mm. you know, that you're going to invest time and energy and money in yourself. It's always going to pay off in how you show up in your vision, in the work that you want to do. And just once you make that connection, then, you know, self-care becomes like, of course I need to do it. So Mm -hmm. then you decide how. So I just want you to understand that you are, the way you show up for yourself and for your, your own energy is going to affect everything. So it's important. It is important. And I think what I see is the antithesis to that, where people are the martyr to the marketplace, Mm -hmm. where they put themselves last. It's kind of this... Like, you see how much I've sacrificed for you? I deserve this. (laughs) Look at how much I suffer in order to, you know, grow this. I deserve it. And I just think that that's how I was. And I just, no bueno. You are your number one asset. You're the product. I look at myself and my business like, look, I am the product, (laughs) whether you like it or not. (laughs) And if the product's all run down and crappy, customers aren't going to be happy. So we got to take care of the product. So true. Okay. Awesome. So I'm going to let you run the show. How does this work? What is it for someone who does has never even done a guided meditation? Like, what is it? What should we expect? Obviously, people don't want to do this while we're driving. <laughs> right. Definitely don't do this while you're driving. So I'm going to have you close your eyes. And I think a lot of people either love guided meditations. They haven't done them. You might think you're not visual or creative. You might not see anything. All you have to do is just relax and breathe. That's all you need to do. And just listen to my voice and just allow yourself. You know, sometimes people will sort of get distracted in their own mind and have a thought. Just come back to your breath. 
And it's really simple. This is a guidance, gratitude, and grounding meditation that I think is really amazing if you want to do it before a meeting or before something, some important work you're going to do, or even in the beginning of the day where you want to infuse whatever you're doing with intention. Super simple. Awesome. Well, I'm ready when you are. Awesome. Okay. So as long as you're not driving, (laughs) close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath. And just take a moment to become aware of any tension that your body's holding, whether it's behind your eyes, in your forehead, maybe your shoulders, and shake your shoulders a little bit and just get present to the moment. Feeling the coolness of your breath into your nose and out of your nose. If you feel called to put your hand on your heart or on your belly so you feel that simple connection with yourself. And just take a moment to give yourself the gift of presence. Feeling your feet on the ground. Feeling the air touching your skin. If you need to move or wiggle to just sink in a little bit deeper with your next breath, go ahead and do that. If you're feeling any tension in your hips or your belly, just allow your next in-breath to melt away, even just a degree of melting, just a degree of releasing, just a little bit more relaxed. Just letting your breath be gentle and warm inside your body. Feeling your hand rise and lower with each breath. In this moment, as we begin to lean into our next step, our next guided action, our next intention, I want to take a moment and call on some guidance. In this moment, whether you're feeling any doubt or fear or stress about moving forward, taking a moment to call in guidance. In this moment, perhaps take a moment to take a question that you have or situation that you want to move forward with and just hold it in your mind's eye. As you start seeing this situation or moment that's coming up or resolution, I want you to call in and ask, what is my next best step? Just allow the silence to be there for a moment. Begin to notice if you have any thoughts or images or ideas bubbling up to the surface. Without judgment, without trying to overanalyze 
just allow the solution resolution word or image to be there. Sometimes we doubt the most simple next step. Sometimes it feels scary. And so we start to talk ourselves out of it before we even go there. So just take a moment to breathe in and allow for a space of trust, for a space of knowing that your inner guidance is leading you to the perfect next step. Right now, feeling full trust in the inner navigation that you're being guided to. And with this, with this knowing, moving into gratitude, a simple step that we skip often, gratitude for the moment, gratitude for opportunity, gratitude for the connection to yourself, knowing that you have everything you need to move forward with trust, with confidence, even if it's through the fear and through the self-doubt. Taking a moment to acknowledge that you are here in this moment at the perfect time to receive the guidance that you're receiving. Taking a moment to give gratitude for the opportunities, for the challenges, and for your own inner wisdom. Finally, moving in to the grounding. Grounding into your own body, grounding in to the knowing that you have access to your inner well of wisdom and clarity, and that you have full permission to take deep, deep care of this physical container as your vehicle into moving into the next step in your business and in your life. Trusting that when you have a bump in the road, when you have an obstacle or perceived limitation, you have access to close your eyes, take a deep breath, and ask for guidance give gratitude and get grounded in your own wisdom. And now in your mind's eye or feel free to say this out loud, a final intention. When you're in your moment, stepping forward into your next perfect step, you feel the fear and you feel the self-doubt, 
say to yourself, join me now, whether it's in your mind's eye or say it out loud. May I be a clear channel for wisdom, clarity, and inner guidance. And we'll say that one more time. May I be a clear channel for wisdom, for clarity, and for inner guidance. And just take a moment to acknowledge what even a few simple moments of breath and presence of gratitude and grounding can do. Take a nice final deep breath and then a nice big sigh to release. And when you're ready, you come back to your body by wiggling your fingers, opening your eyes, maybe taking a nice little shake, and coming back to the present moment. And that's a simple guidance, gratitude, and grounding Mm. meditation. Elena, so good. I love it. Yeah, thank you so much. And guys, we're going to do something really special. If I change it, I'll let you guys know. But the next episode is going to be just this meditation by itself. That way you can come back and do this again and again whenever you want. Jump right to it and listen to it. Oh, that's so great. Well done. I love it. So thank you so much, Elena, for taking the time. I know this was a very long episode, so I really appreciate it. Any final words, thoughts, or comments in order to call this episode complete for you? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about busyness, but I would just invite you to, you listening to drop the busy badge and instead put on the badge of self-care and just to trust that embodying the most healthy, vibrant, turned on version of you is that bridge to getting to that place in your business that you want to get to. And I know it's so hard because like you said, the easy thing to do is just to work more. But I want to invite you to at least hold that question. Okay. Instead of pushing through, what can I do for myself right now to fill my cup, to really nourish, hydrate, rest, light up, you know, even if it's just dancing. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. just drop that busy badge and that trust that a well, healthy turned on you is the thing that's going to be the secret sauce to getting to the next place. Awesome. So where can people find more about you, Elena? The best place is elenalipson.com. And I've got my podcast link there and upcoming programs. And I do write a weekly blog that goes out via newsletter, but I also put it in my blog there. So you can read my latest writing and find my links to I'm active on Instagram and Facebook. I'm kind of like the stream of consciousness writer and you know, I, I write quite a bit. So you'll find a lot of inspiration in the moment and also scheduled. So if you are drawn to what we're talking about, just need some ongoing support, I definitely invite you to come into my world. And I share lots of self-care rituals and practices, both on Instagram, on Facebook, and then on my blog as well. Awesome. Elena, thank you again so much. And guys, we're going to link all that up in the show notes, including a direct link to Elena's podcast. So you can check that out as well. Elena, thank you again for taking the time and sharing so generously 
with my listeners. So thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Elena Lipson. Make sure to tune in next week, next Monday, for more awesome goodness here on the Mind Your Business podcast. Take care, everyone. Did you know 8 out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is, this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate, and we can get started right now.